0: Welcome to the GW Business of Sports podcast. We talk about sports, careers, mentors, leadership, and a lot more here, and we do the show from the Foggy Bottom campus in Washington, D.C. I'm Mark Hyman, professor in the Business of Sports program at GW. My producer is Henry Levy. My guest is Phil DiPicciotto. Founder and president of Octagon Worldwide, the renowned sports marketing and communication agency. On a recent visit to the GW campus for the Sports Industry Networking Conference, Phil and I spoke about Octagon clients competing in the just concluded Winter Olympic Games, about the commercial value of an Olympic gold medal, and about a simple but powerful management strategy Stay in the moment. Bill, thank you for coming to GW and for participating in the podcast. Always nice to see you, Mark. Thanks. Watching the Olympic Games, I think we all have our ways of of consuming the Olympics. It's top of mind now because the Games are winding down. As someone who has a professional relationship with some of the athletes, how, how do you watch the Olympics?
1: Well, it's nice that technology enables us to do that on multiple screens. So I typically either have a television on with picture-in-picture, because NBC multi-platforms the uh, provision of content to all of us, or I'm using multiple devices.
0: Do you have a rooting interest as, as a fan would, or is it a little bit different, do you think?
1: I think it's a very personal interest. I mean, each of these Olympians truly has a story. NBC does a very good job of conveying these stories to the public. Uh, It's an amazing process to go through for an athlete to have to wait four years to hit this biggest stage. So we have seen the progression in terms of athletic development, in terms of the mental strength that it takes, in terms of um, really, in many cases, uprooting Uh, a family's life in order to set the stage for this one moment. So we watch with a great um, amount of respect, uh, understanding the backstories in in all of these cases and then of course we've got a business responsibility for all of them which uh, we're thinking about all the time while we're watching them compete.
0: Hmm. There are Americans who are walking away with gold medals whose lives are going to be changed from a a marketing standpoint. Can you place a dollar value on winning a gold medal at the Winter Olympic Games?
1: There's really a very wide range in valuation. There are huge differences uh, among the different sports um, in terms of how those sports are structured and their governance and our ability to commercialize the rights for any of our athlete clients. Just because an athlete is a breakout star at an Olympic Games does not mean that it makes sense for us to represent him or her or that there will be a great commercial road ahead. Talent brands and their value depends on many factors, including the strength of the endemic companies that support that sport between the Olympic Games, the extent of media coverage the sport generates between those games and the four years between those games, whether the sport is controlled by a federation uh, whether there are also private uh, events or opportunities that allow for more commercial opportunity and flexibility uh, then one has to consider the relevance of the sport geographically uh, also seasonally summer olympians are typically more marketable than winter olympians because more people run and swim and uh, enjoy the warm weather than than ski for example uh, and then there are personal stories that those personal stories aren't commercializable on their own. They don't stand on their own, but rather they do add to an athlete's marketability if the other fundamental elements are there. And then, as you said, of course, winning a gold medal is important, and winning multiple gold medals is even better.
0: So Chloe Kim, for instance, the snowboarder, is on the Wheaties box already, days after she won a gold medal. those deals, I imagine, are in the pipeline for, for weeks or months before the medal is actually won.
1: Yes, that? very often the possibility of an opportunity like that is in the pipeline. Uh, that's one that everyone covets. And when a uh, when an Olympian is an obvious medal contender, there are conversations that if things go as planned or as hoped, that there will be an opportunity that both sides want to take advantage of as quickly as possible.
0: So these are milestone games in in a number of respects. One of which is that the U.S. team has two openly gay athletes on it for the first time. There had never been an openly gay athlete heading into the games. Adam Rippon and, and Gus Kenworthy. Um, what is the significance from a, a representation standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, uh, of this event to openly gay athletes on the team, do you think?
1: Well, for me, it's nice that we're beginning to live in a world that appreciates the authenticity of individuals. For a while, it seemed that maybe the marketplace was losing that. And a small, passionate... And compassionate audience is now more valuable than a large audience in many cases. What do you mean by that? Well, if an athlete can resonate with a group of fans who understand that athletes authenticity, whatever an athlete stands for, it will tend to connect that athlete to a specific marketplace. And the deeper the connection, the more valuable that connection becomes in commercial terms. So whatever a person stands for, provided that it's for good things in the world, not harmful ones, there is an audience who will become more connected to that athlete as a result of their being authentic and sharing their true selves with the people who are watching them compete.
0: octagon represents a number of former olympic athletes including some very prominent former winter olympic athletes one of whom is apollo ono the famous speed skater who i think we're probably seeing more of during the olympics than virtually all of the athletes who are competing because he's working for nbc he also has a commercial that he's doing with hershey's Um, how does a former athlete remain relevant, and what is the role of a firm like Octagon in assisting the athlete in in maintaining a profile?
1: What helps to have been very good at something, and Apollo certainly was, as the most decorated winter Olympian ever, he also has worked very, very hard on developing broadcast and voice work, and he has um, trained as an actor. He has hosted game shows on television, and he really adds a tremendous amount of expertise and of professionalism to NBC's coverage of the short track uh, skating events. So his relevance has really been established almost independently of his success at prior Olympic Games. But when you combine this professional expertise that he has been very dedicated to developing, And you put him in a situation where he gets to talk about something where he is arguably the best ever to have done it. uh, And he can convey a perspective that others can't. It's a very powerful conversation. And I would go so far as to say that retired athletes who become talented broadcasters can actually, in some cases, make a broadcast.
0: And, you know, his celebrity as a broadcaster, it seems to me may exceed his celebrity as an athlete. There's a whole generation of kids who are watching the Olympics probably have very little idea that he was a competitor. So it's very interesting that that transition into, you know, kind of a pivot to a new identity
1: with respect to sports. Doing one thing at a world-class level is very difficult. Doing two things at a world-class level is even harder, exponentially harder. So he's one of those very talented people who has Um, shown the same passion and commitment to his new career as he did to his prior career. Uh, They're independent of each other, but again, once every four years, they overlap, and that's what we're all getting the opportunity to see. Question about you
0: and your management style. Um, I assume that you've made mistakes and that the people who work for you occasionally make mistakes. Do you have a a philosophy or, or principle that applies to I don't know, forgiveness of yourself or of others with respect to to making
1: errors? We're fortunate to have a thousand uh, people full-time working at Octagon who do a lot of things for a lot of different people in in a lot of places. And I um, tell them regularly that I make more mistakes in a day than the rest of them combined. So I I try to be a little bit forgiving of myself, um, although I think we all have very high standards and one can do know perfect work in 99 cases and it's that one um, that you don't get quite right that stays in your mind and causes you to lose some sleep occasionally but my uh, my philosophy is you know always be prepared stay in the moment we're all very busy but you can't let that distract so the stresses that come from time you have to find a way to shed and be able to do everything with ample attention while one's doing it every day and there are going to be mistakes. There's an old expression that um, good judgment comes from experience, and experience comes from bad judgment. So we're all going to make mistakes. But if one is prepared, and if one um, collaborates and makes sure that one is doing the best that one can do, uh, you know, other people are going to cause the need for you to react and pivot um, and not always get everything that you want. Um, but, you know, doing your best, always being honest and correcting mistakes quickly, admitting them, correcting them, and moving on is the only way really to survive, I think, in in any profession these days. Would you
0: have answered the same way 30 years ago if we were having this conversation?
1: Boy, the, you know, the 30 years have gone by so fast for me that I hope I would have answered yes, but... You know in reality there there is a benefit to experience and and I think experience may have helped me not make a mistake in answering this question so i would I would think that I would have probably answered it a little bit differently, or I wouldn't have had the practical uh, experience of having gone through enough mistakes to know that they're all survivable, if intentions are good, if corrective measures are taken, and if the mistakes are really not due to something that one regrets it's something that one couldn't avoid
0: we had uh, John Miller on the podcast a few weeks ago the the great baseball broadcaster and of course you know he's doing live radio 162 times a year he's gonna make mistakes and he he said that his philosophy is it's only a mistake if you don't correct it which I thought was was quite an interesting perspective you know the, the Transparency for him was was the issue. Um, so, but but I like what you said. I think that's very wise. I'm sure the people who work for you appreciate that.
1: I think it's uh I think it's a mistake um, often in hindsight. You know, one learns something, and even if one didn't realize that one could have done better at the moment, there might be a time in the future where one goes back in one's mind and said, you know, if I had known that then, I probably would have handled it differently. But we have to learn from those experiences. You know, you have to learn from the past, but you have to live in the moment and hope to be better in the future. Finally,
0: you're about to speak to about 250 students um, on the GW campus, all of whom I feel confident would love to be you and to have your life and your professional experience. Is there any... Simple advice that, um, that you might offer to students who, who are motivated and um, you know, have the, the essentials to, to do what you're doing but are, are trying to find a way in. What, what advice would you have for them?
1: Based on what I've learned from you in this conversation, I would say that it's, it would be a mistake for any of them to want to be me. Um, they should not want to be anybody else, actually, and they should not wish for time to fly by. I mean, time is the one thing that we all are given equally. We each have 24 hours a day to live, and these people who are younger and starting to come into a profession, whatever it turns out to be, um, will be able to make enormous contributions in the world, but they have to do it in a way that's, you know, we'll use another word we used before, that's authentic to themselves. Um, wishing to be in other people's shoes you know the grass is never as green as as they think and i was very fortunate and was given opportunities happened to be around people whom i trusted and and were good people and i think that's the best advice that i could give to anyone get out there do things that you love to do and make sure you surround yourself with good people because people who don't share a sense of alignment with you are debilitating Great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Fun to see you as always. Thank you. Okay.